Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about Jesus's priority and desires for the church. And I don't mean like organizations, the church. I mean like you and me, the people who make up church. We talked about the mission that Jesus has laid out for us to reveal God to the world and each other through how we love and serve one another. Uh, This week, I wanna make this a little bit more personal. What do we do with these priorities and desires, this mission that Jesus has us on? How, How do the things that we choose today the mission, the priorities, the perspective add up to who we will be in the end. Uh, I actually am gonna be on vacation for the next few weeks. Uh, I am planning to rest with my family, uh, come back renewed for whatever it is that God has for us uh, in the months to come. Uh, And people have been asking, you know, where are we going? What are we doing? That is a fabulous question uh, that I have very little answer for, uh, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, you may see my family around at some church things. You won't see me. We're going to be in town. We'll kind of be around, uh, but we have decided that there's a couple of short trips that we'll do. Uh, we're going to go see my folks. We're going to go to the beach, that kind of thing. Uh, it turns out that when trying to plan something, plan some sort of trip, it is really helpful for planning purposes to know where you're going. Like when we were trying to go, hey, let's go somewhere. Somewhere needed a, a somewhere before we could actually do anything to, to plan that. Journeys need destinations. Now, some of you are spontaneous travelers where you're like, hey, we're just gonna hop in the car and we're gonna drive and we'll just see whatever happens. And good for you. That's not me. Even then... I would like to point out that there is still some sort of agreed upon plan, right? The plan may be there is no plan, but there's some sort of we're going to go wherever this road leads us agreement. When you're going to pack for a trip, however spontaneous it may be, you're still gonna need some idea of where you're headed and what you're doing. Are you going to the mountains? Are you going to the beach? Uh, Are you just driving? Uh, Is it gonna be cold? Are you gonna fly somewhere? All these things are gonna change how you pack. It's gonna change where you drive. And and all of those things, the the planning, the packing, the driving, the, the journey itself really depends on where you're trying to get. And I know you have heard this analogy before, but who you are and who you're becoming is no different. The destination is going to determine the way you go and how you go. That all depends on who you're aiming to be. Uh, we are reading through the New Testament this uh, summer on uh, version, or some people are reading in, in different places. That is fantastic. Uh, we just this week kind of finished up Acts and are getting into Romans. And so this week's reading, we covered a lot of Paul's missionary journeys. He actually had four missionary journeys that went from about the year 46 to the year 60, give or take. 
And they can do the math on he went this place and then went this place and went this place. 10,000 miles of boat and foot travel to cover these journeys, which is, I can't even imagine. This morning, we're going to jump into the middle of Paul's third missionary journey, where he clearly understands that this is all coming to some sort of end. And he's not really clear on what it is, but as we'll see, he's clear that it's not going to be super cozy and comfortable. And on this third journey, he sails by a town that he loves, and he loves the people of this town. The town is Ephesus, but he's got places to go. He's, he's got a time and a place he needs to be, and so he realizes he's going to have to go past Ephesus and just skip them. But he also realizes that he was, he's never going to see them again. And so when he does get to a stop where he has to be for a little while, he writes to them. He says, hey, leaders of the church in Ephesus, will you come see me? I got some things I want to say. And so we're going to pick it up there. We're in Acts chapter 20 this morning. Uh, and I'm going to start in verse 16. And I'm going to read a fairly long passage. So we're going to have it up on the screen, but it may be easier if you grab a Bible, grab your phone, pull it up, whatever it may be. It's Acts chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 16 where Luke writes, the Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourself and guard God's people Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give 
than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Paul says, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I aim to do. This is what I want from you. And this is how I want you to remember me. He has come to the end. And the end of his journey, the things that matter to him at the end of his journey, his lack of regrets, I think gives us an example to follow, a, a pattern to go after in our own lives. And I think maybe the best way to explore this pattern, to understand where we're trying to get and where we are today, is to wrestle with some questions that Paul clearly had some answers to, whether he actually asked these questions of himself or not. Some questions that will help us determine where our life's journey is headed. So he started this way in verse 19. He said, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. Paul was very clear on what his message was. So here's the question for you and me. In the end, what message will you be known by? And for those of you who like taking notes, fill it in blanks, that's there on your notes. What message will you be known by. For Paul, that message was, y'all need Jesus, y'all need his forgiveness, and you need Jesus' life. That was his message. And in different ways, he preached it and he lived it over and over again. And if you are a Jesus follower, that should be at least some part of your message that you are known by. If you're not a Jesus follower, we still need to answer this question. What message will you be known by? We all have to answer this question. And, and here's why. The message you choose to be known by will transform your life. I, I know that sounds uh, like overstatement and, and hyperbole, but, but it's not. The message you choose to be known by will transform your life. If you say, the message I want to, to be known by is I want the world to know that I am the world's greatest chess player. Awesome. Then, why chess player? I don't, I don't know. I, uh, it worked. Pickleball? Anyway, we'll go with chess. I want to be the world's greatest chess player. And that's what I want the world to know about me, that I am the greatest at this thing. And that will transform your life. Like if you actually live into that message, if you actually choose that message for your life, it will involve a lot of chess, and a lot of studying, and a lot of practicing, and it will change your life, because that's the message you choose. If the message you choose is, I want the world to know that they are loved, 
you might still be the world's greatest chess player. I don't know. But that will be a very different transformed life because the message that you're trying to communicate to people will be different. So your life choices, your relationships will all be geared and oriented differently based on what message you choose to be known by. One, I guess, sub-question to this. Is the message that drives you, is the message that you choose to be known by about you or about others? That will also do a lot to transform your life. And for anyone who says, okay, well, actually this transforming thing sounds kind of heavy, and so I just won't. I just won't pick one. And I don't have to worry about what message is transforming my life. I'll just be me, and that's great. Unfortunately, that's not possible. We all have some message that we are displaying with our lives. And if we don't choose it on purpose, we will choose it on accident. Not having one is not an option because your priorities, your favorite topics, the way you spend your time and money, these things are your message. So do you review your bank account and like the message that it communicates? Now, I know that the rest of the world, hopefully, is not looking at your bank account, hopefully, but, but they are seeing the results of it. What do you spend your money on? What do you display for the world? What do you hold out there and say, hey, here's this cool thing I have that I want you to know about? How about your time? Does your calendar match the message that you want communicated with your life? How about your social media posts and conversations? As you review those, Facebook has this handy memories thing that pops up, right? Which sometimes I go, yeah, that's really good. I'm really glad I posted that. And sometimes I go, wow, I can't believe I thought that was a good idea. Uh, and most of the time I go, wow, my kids are getting old. Okay, but uh, what we post in those places, I mean, social media is sort of the ultimate technological version of this, right? Where here's the message of my life I want you to know. Let me post it and display it. What message are you communicating? What message are you known by based on how you spend your time, your resources, based on what you post, based on the things you talk about. What message are you known for? And if you don't know the answer to that question, or if you want to know better, ask some people, what, what message does my life communicate to you? And they're gonna stare at you funny for a little bit, but they'll have an answer eventually. What, what message does my life display to the people around me? And then do you like that message? And that's not a question for them. That's a question for you. Do, do you like the message that your life displays to the people around you? Or maybe a better way than saying it than like is, is that the message that you want transforming your life? 
for Jesus followers, we've said that we want Jesus to transform our lives. That's what we mean when we, we give our lives to him. When we give everything to him, we're saying, Jesus, I want you to change me. I want you to transform my life. Often when we say that, we do not realize how many things are gonna need some transformation. But we've said, Jesus, I want you to transform my life. We want him to be the message communicated through our love and our life. And I think sometimes we get the idea that if we let Jesus transform our life, he's going to turn all of us into Paul. And we're all gonna have 10,000 mile missionary journeys that we have to go on. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but that was Paul's life. God has different things for you, a different message that he's displaying through you to different people than Paul ministered to. This will look different to some degree in every life, but in saying, Jesus, I want you to transform my life, we're saying, I want you to be the message communicated through the way that I love and live. So here's the problem. If we choose other priorities and topics over Jesus, then those things become the message of our lives. We have far more opportunities in our culture to talk about everything else but Jesus. And when those become the primary message of our life, when we repeat the same things over and over again, when we raise one banner over and over and over again, that becomes the message of our life. That becomes the message that transforms us. I think that can look like a lot of different things. Maybe some running through your head right now. One of the ways that that crops up in my life is maybe a little more subtle. I really want, like think like most people, I really want people to like me. And I feel like that's gonna take some work. So I work at getting people to like me. And if that becomes the primary message of my life, I'm gonna get to the end and what? Like what's the, what's the eventual outcome of that? that? That people say, that Josh was a likable guy. I really liked him. Is that the message that I want my life displaying? As opposed to, I really want the people around me to know that they are loved, that they are lovable and loved by me, by God, by many others. Well, now they may not always like me if I actually pursue that message. But where does that lead in the end? That people would be able to say, yeah, I know that God loves me because of something Josh did, said, whatever. I don't really, if I think about it, I don't really care if my kids like me later. I want my kids to know I love them. These are different messages and different priorities. So even really good things can sometimes become the wrong priority and the wrong message. 
So we may have things that we say over and over again that we get really excited about, that we broadcast to the world over and over again. We would say, this is an issue that I care passionately about. And so I'm gonna talk about this thing over and over again. And it may even be a really good issue. If people can't get past the issue that you're talking about with them to discover the Jesus behind it, then that issue has become the message in your life. That issue has become, and your passion about that issue has become the thing that transforms your life. So what message do you want to have transform your life? Later this summer, we are gonna give people an opportunity to get baptized. And baptism is this ritual where we submerge somebody underwater for just a moment, and then we bring them back up. The just a moment part is key. Just a moment, and we bring them back up, and it symbolizes, it sympathizes with Jesus's death and resurrection. And we do this for a couple reasons. One, because Jesus told us to, which is all the reason we really need. But also, because this is the place where we sort of publicly declare Jesus, I want you to transform my life. Jesus, I want you to be the message of my life. I am dedicating myself and my life to you to transform me. We declare publicly that he's forgiven our sins and that we intend to follow him. And this baptism symbolizes becoming a new person. The old person goes down and the new person rises up symbolizing our desire to be transformed by Jesus. So if you want to make Jesus the message of your life and be baptized into this new life, there is information in your bulletin on how to go to our website and get signed up. We're gonna have a little baptism class first so you can know what it's all about and, and ask your questions. You can email Jesse with questions. We would love to celebrate with you. If you don't wanna wait till the end of the summer, then don't wait, let us know. We will make this happen. We wanna celebrate with you. We wanna have an opportunity. We wanna give you the opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Would you transform me and change me? For Paul, the message, as he declares, was Jesus. The message was Jesus. And he let that message transform and drive his life. And for Paul, that message gave his life purpose and clarity. This is verse 24, chapter 20. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Again, sometimes... It feels like if Jesus transforms our life, we all turn into Paul. But that was his work. That was his work to do. The question for you and me is, as Jesus transforms your life, what work has God given you to do? And I don't mean what job. And I don't mean what work are you comfortable doing, Paul's knew his work, but it was definitely not comfortable. There were shipwrecks and abandonment and hunger, and he was jailed and tortured and eventually killed. He was not in it for the comfort. This was not a Mediterranean cruise that he did 10,000 miles on. Not 
not just what work is your sweet spot, although, man, finding that sweet spot where the needs of the people around you and your passions and giftings line up is a beautiful thing, and I hope every person finds it in some way. But not just what's your sweet spot, but what work has God given you to do? No one else has your office or station or cubicle or line. No one else can raise your kids. No one else can be the spouse that you are supposed to be. You live in your neighborhood. You are there in that moment talking to the clerk or the waitress. You have the opportunity in your network of people. You are here in this time, in this place, in this community, in whatever community you may be in, to do the work that God has given you to do. What work does God have for you in each moment and place? Because this work that we're talking about, this serving, these relationships, whatever it may look like for you, this work is how we live out the transformation that we're undergoing. And like all transformation, like if you think about rehabilitation or uh, of any kind, if you think about uh, redoing a room or a building, transformation is often messy and it's hard, and you may need to ask for forgiveness sometimes or a lot, but the work God has for you is the way his transformation in you becomes the transformation of the world around you. The work that God has for you is the way that his transformation in you becomes his transformation of the world around you. God has chosen to work through you and me, to work through people, to work through the church. And yes, sometimes I question the quality of that decision, but it is the decision he made and he gives us lots of grace to do it. And I'm grateful for that. The transformation that he is doing in you becomes the transformation of the world around you when you're willing to step, in the work, step into the work he has for you. This transforming work that God is doing blossoms into changed lives. The work that he's doing, the transformation he's doing comes out through the work and the work is the way that your message leaves an impact on the people that you love. Paul let his transformation make an impact on the people around him. And he actually takes time here to point out the impact he had and invite them to have that impact as well. He says things like, remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to 
receive. Paul's message transformed him and his work and led to an example worth following. And that message cost him. He had to sacrifice freedom. He had to sacrifice comfort. He was led into danger. He was led into grief. And he was willing to pay the cost for the message. He was willing to believe that in giving up everything, he was more blessed in the giving than the receiving. So the question for you and me is what are we willing to pay? What are you willing to pay to have your life transformed by that message? What are you willing to pay? To do the work that God is calling you to do, that God has for you, what are you willing to pay? Because to do those things, to have that message, to have that transformation will cost you. And it does not matter what work or message you choose. To accomplish it, there will be a cost. So are you willing to pay the cost? And if you're not, if you think about the message that you want to, like the first thing that comes to mind for you, some message that you're like, well, I want my life to be about that. And then you start to think about the things it's gonna cost you to do that. The things you'll have to sacrifice, the things you might have to give up, the things that will have to change and be transformed in and around you. And you go, yeah, actually it's not worth it. Okay, well at that point, you have two options. You can either pick a different message that is worth it, you are willing to pay the cost for, or you can decide that the message actually is worth it. For example, let's say hypothetically, completely hypothetically, that your children are really interested in going to Disneyland or Disney World or some such thing like that. And you look at everything that comes with that and you realize that somebody would have to pay you to spend time with that many people and in lines that long. Just again, hypothetically, hypothetically. Uh, and, and so you decide that that destination isn't worth it to you. Then you pick a different destination, one that you are willing to pay the price for. Hopefully a much cheaper price in that case, not in your life journey. Okay, this metaphor is gonna be a problem pretty soon. Alternatively, You could decide, this hypothetical is gonna get really dangerous. It's still hypothetical, hypothetical. You could hypothetically look at it all because the first part was really close to true and this part isn't. Just, I need to clarify for my children. Okay, you could also hypothetically look into Disneyland, Disney World, Disney whatever and go, oh, actually, this may not be my favorite thing, and there may be some things that I have to give up in order to do this, but the impact on the people around me is going to be worth it for me. 
I'm going to be willing to pay that cost. Now, usually, let's be real, in life, when we have a destination in mind of who we want to become, we don't actually grasp how much it's gonna cost us. And that is one of God's graces on our lives, that he can invite us to grow and we can go, whoo, that's gonna be a lot, but I'll step into it. And sometime about halfway through, we sometimes or often have to go, whoo, that's a little bit more than I thought it was gonna be. Okay, uh, but it's worth it. It's, it's why we have to continually ask this question, what are we willing to pay what are we willing to give up? See, we're often so busy trying to feel better in the present, in that ever elusive pursuit of happiness, that we don't realize that what we're actually choosing, I think most of the time, is we're choosing that we don't want to pay the cost for who we want to become. We don't have a good vision of who we're trying to become. We haven't thought it out. So all we're doing in the moment is reaching for whatever's gonna feel good or feel better or not feel at all. And we don't realize that sometimes going through that pain, going through the sacrifice, going through today's just gonna feel hard, this conversation's just gonna be hard. This is part of paying the cost for displaying the message that we wanna have transform our lives. Actually, I'm gonna have to stay in this relationship even though it's difficult. And I know that's not everybody's situation. Man, I'm gonna have to have this conversation even though it's gonna be hard and I don't want to and I'd rather just ghost them and disappear. Man, I'm gonna actually have to process what I'm feeling today because I'd rather just numb it out with another glass of wine or an extra dessert or whatever it may be. But in order to become the person that I'm being transformed into, in order to display the message that I believe is the most important message I could display to the people around me, I'm gonna have to actually sit with this and go through it and pay the cost. It's not always gonna be our preferred thing to do and it's why we have to have some idea of what the destination is so that we know why we're paying the cost. So we know why today I'm not just gonna reach for that thing that feels good, but I'm, I'm actually gonna sit with this and go through it. Paul had a vision for the end. And he brought the Ephesian leaders together to say, I, I'm accomplishing the thing that I set out to accomplish because he was willing to pay the cost. He knew there was a cost, but he also knew the message and the blessing were worth it. So I do wanna say a quick word on blessing because he says it's more blessed. I don't know how to say that without, anyway, it starts sounding old timey, but you get it. It's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give, all those things. A theological and linguistic distinction that has been helpful for me between provision and blessing. 
Provision, you think of it as needs. God provides for our needs. These would be very, very basic things. Not like the things your kids tell you they need, but like actual needs like food and shelter and those kinds of things. Okay, needs. God provides for our needs, but there is blessing beyond that through relationship with him and others that he wants for us. Classic example is in the Old Testament where uh, his whole tribe of people, his chosen people, the tribe of Israel is wandering around in circles in the desert and he provides for them shelter and food and guidance. What he wanted to do was bless them with a promised land, that there was relationship with him that he wanted to bless them through. There was relationship with each other as a family, as a God-centered family that he wanted for them. And they didn't step into that. They walked away from it. They didn't want to pay the cost. He still provided for their needs, but there was a blessing that they missed out on. So like I, I may provide for my family. I provide them with home, food, safety, but I bless my family through my love, through time with them, through memory making together, provision, blessing. And, and here's why this matters for our message and whether we're willing to pay the cost to get it. Because the message you live becomes the blessings you give and receive. The message you live becomes the blessings you give and receive. For Paul, this is the care that he gave the Ephesian people and the truth he taught them. This is the message he wanted to communicate to them, that he loved them, that God loves them, that they should turn from their sin and follow Jesus and turn everything over to Jesus. And in return, he receives deeper relationship with them and with God. And I have no doubt that in this moment that we find Paul in here in Acts 20, Paul knew the cost and there was still more cost to pay, he knew the cost was absolutely worth it. So one last thought for all of us who are following Jesus like Paul. Because you don't have to follow Jesus for any of these questions to be important for how you live out your life. One last thought for those of us who are following Jesus. As we said, if you give your life to Jesus, some part of your message must be like Paul's, but every life is gonna look a little different. How that's lived out and displayed, the work that that's generated through. But to give your life to Jesus is to give everything to Jesus. To give everything, including the message of your life over to him. I don't remember which of the guys said this as we were preparing together for this sermon because we get together and talk about it and pray over it so that you're not just hearing me blabber on, but you're getting their smart insights too. And I don't remember which one said this, but I just want to read it for you. They said, the things we're known for are the decisions and choices that become who we are, which we could just sit in that for a while. The things we're known for are the decisions and choices that become who we are. We don't know where we're or sorry, when we don't know where we're going, those are just random choices that don't add up to anything. But if I make Jesus my Lord, it draws me to make choices that add up to who he wants me to be. We talked the last couple of weeks about coming under the authority 
of Jesus. That we are called as a people to do that. We are also then called individually to do that. The authority of Jesus is massively important here because it isn't just what idea can I generate that sounds good to me, but we bring our lives under his authority to have our lives transformed, not just by his message, but by him. See, for a Jesus follower, our message is not just about a what. Our message is a who. So when we're talking about paying the cost for the message, we're not just saying, what am I willing to pay for this message, for this cool idea that I've come up with, for this thing that will sound really good on my tombstone? It's not, what am I willing to pay for this what? It's, what am I willing to pay for this who? This then is the question that every person on earth must answer. But Jesus' followers have committed to answering it every day. What is Jesus worth to you? I don't mean that in a guilt-trippy way at all. It's just a question we have to ask. If this is the message that we wanna have transform our lives and transform our world, what is Jesus worth to you? The Jesus who gave up his life for your forgiveness, who gave up everything to let you know that you are loved. What is Jesus worth to you? And the rest of the New Testament, as we'll see, makes the case that he is worth everything. That the message and the blessing are worth it. Because the transformation of this message, the transformation in you is worth giving everything up for. This message that will change your life, that will transform your heart and your soul and your mind and your eternity will also transform the world around you. This message is worth giving up everything for because this Jesus and his message changes, transforms everything, everything. Will you pray with me? Father God, would you work in our lives, in our inner lives, in the work that we do, in the relationships we have, in the ways that we risk, in the ways that we go about our daily lives. God, would you use us in some way to shine into dark places, to be a billboard of your message, of the truth and grace and hope and joy and peace that you want people to know. The message that you gave up everything to communicate.
God, would you project that message in our lives? Would you open our hearts and minds and hands to the work, to the message, to the transformation that you want to do in us and in the world around us? We ask for this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.